I want to tell you a story. I want to tell you a modern version of the story of a guy named Saul, who later would become Paul. Paul wrote many of the books that we have in the New Testament. So I want to, I want to modernize this just so you can get a, kind of a feel for what it would have looked like back then and today. So I want you to imagine a young man who grew up with a silver spoon in his mouth. So he grew up with everything that wealth and privilege could offer. I want you to think of private schooling. I want you to think of he had his learner's permit and already had a Mercedes Benz, like one of those kids you just want to hate, you know, because they can't even really drive yet, but they already have a Mercedes. Okay, not only did he have all this privilege, but he worked hard. Okay, he worked hard and he excelled in such a way that he got to go to a private liberal arts college, graduated with honors, went to Harvard Law, showed tremendous promise. This is a guy who was elevated through the ranks quickly and he had power and he had influence and he had position. And with that position and power, what he did is he tried to disassemble the church of Jesus Christ. So he would travel around all over the country and attack the churches legally. And when he attacked the churches legally, it wasn't just to make it so you couldn't worship. He actually wanted to make it so if you worshipped Jesus, you would be put to death. And he was effective at what he did. And so when he went around and he, he went to cities, the laws were passed and people were killed. It seems impossible. A guy with that history, that influence, that position, that power, but also that That sort of, you know, when he gets his mind on something, he won't let go of it. It seems impossible that someone like that could ever become a follower of Jesus, right? Now, now I know you're probably like, oh no, God can do anything. But like, I want you to think about what that would look like and feel like. I want you to think about a position in the world today where someone has power and authority and is going after Something you love or something you believe and you could feel helpless, right? You're like, what do do I have? What can I do? It would seem impossible that we could do anything and it would seem impossible. What we would say is it would would take a miracle and that would be us kind of like throwing it out there like it would take a miracle. That's exactly what happened. Because what happened, this is the big idea is that the, the gospel became real to Paul, because the gospel is this, it's, a, it's God's grand intrusion into what we thought was life. God's grand intrusion, so in a moment, this is the way the story goes, Acts 9, is that, that Paul, Saul, who became Paul, is on his, his way to another city to attack more Christians, to make it so they could not worship, and if they did, they'd be put to death, and in a moment, God intrudes upon his life, blinds him. Right? So that he no longer had an excuse. He no, he no longer had a reason. He just, God took everything away. It wasn't like, like sometimes I think what we do is we try to mobilize resources and people and reasons and we're like, we're going to fight, we're going to get a better lawyer. Right? But what happened is God mightily intruded on his life. This impossible person, this impossible situation, God intervened. 
and intruded on what Paul thought was life and showed him what actually was life. And so I want to start with, there's, if you have your notes, there's kind of two parts. I want to start with the second part and talk about what confronted Paul. What confronted Paul first was God. A God who he didn't even really know. A God who didn't, Paul grew up, and we'll see in a second in the book of Philippians, but Paul grew up a Jew of Jews, and so he worshiped God. But this God, Jesus Christ, who he persecuted, showed up in such a way that it confronted his thought of life, and in an instant it changed. God, God confronted Paul. The second thing is sin confronted Paul. And you see this as Paul compares what he thought was right living or righteousness, what then he saw was God's righteousness. And the third thing is this, that Paul was confronted by a second chance. A second chance at life. What he thought was life in a moment was just, was just literally, and he says it later, he's garbage. And then he gets this opportunity to consider, will I take this opportunity? So let me show you how this played out in Paul's life. In the book of Philippians, this is how Paul assesses the situation. It just starts out kind of with the end of one verse, though I myself had reason for such confidence, and we see he's talking about confidence in his flesh or his own abilities. It says, if someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. So what he's saying is, if you think you're impossible, I was way more impossible. Okay, he says, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews in regards to the in, in regards to the law of Pharisees, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. It's like, this is who I am. This is, this is where I've come from. Right? You know me, is what he's saying. You know how impossible, you know how perfect I looked. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of Faith, And so what I want you to do is I want you to think of if there is a person in your life, it could be a family member, it could be you, right? Or a friend, someone who you think is absolutely, it is impossible that they ever will come to the point of saying, Jesus is Lord. Like if you would mention that to them, they would just laugh at you, right? And I want you to think of them saying, what I once thought I now think is garbage because I've seen Jesus and everything that I once thought was real life, now compared to knowing Jesus is nothing. Like just in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, all of a sudden, they, and it wasn't because someone just like re-logic, like reasoned it out with them, but they met Jesus. God intruded on their life in just a moment, in a miraculous moment. So, I want to I contrast using Philippians, and then we're going to head into Romans, what Paul thought was life, what he considered life and then discovered was garbage with what actually is life. And this is really important because I think we, each of us probably can see parts of ourselves in this. So if you have your notes, it's the first part here. What Paul first thought was life but was not life at all was, 
birthright, family, and tribe. I want you to think of those together, birthright, family, or tribe. And the, the mentality there is I deserve something simply because who I am, the family I was born into, my tribe, maybe you grew up in the church, whatever you are, you think you deserve something. This plays out for a lot of us, maybe just simply because the way we were raised, we feel entitled. And so everything that is good and right, we feel like we deserve. Now, not everyone feels this way. There's some people because of the way they were raised or, or the position they were raised into, they don't think of themselves as deserving anything. And so when they, when they hear the gospel, and they, they already feel garbage, so the gospel is just this treasure immediately. But some of us, we're so resistant to the gospel, even if we grow up in a Christian home, because we just feel like we deserve it. Like from the beginning, we just felt like, like Jesus was ours. But there's, there's something that Jesus has never really become Lord. He's just his presence in our lives. The second thing that, that Paul struggled with that he had to see as garbage was this. That it wasn't law, works, or stuff that he did. Law, works, or stuff that he did. And this is huge. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. You can't earn it. What does this mean? It doesn't mean, it, what it means is it's not the amount of volunteer hours you have. It's not the amount of times you go to church. None of those things. But for Paul, that was all very important to him. And he, he showed that here. He says, you can see the people he come from, the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews. He goes, if anyone deserves it, I deserve it. If anyone earned it, I've earned it, right? In regard to the law of Pharisees for zeal, persecuting the church, righteousness based on the law, flawless. He said, I realized I just couldn't earn it. And the last thing is this. He goes, it's not approval. So many of us, I think like Paul, felt that life was gaining the approval of the people around us. And for a lot of us, this is what I think will hit closest to home. What does approval look like? It could simply mean that you think because of the skills you have and your skill in doing them and people saying you're amazing, that you are, <laughs> right? You could feel that it's because of, and this is, like this might sound like a joke, but it's really not. It, I mean, some of us could be, it could be because of the way we look because you're fit or finding that right shade of eye makeup that finally you're going to get approval, right? So finally, people are going to look at you and be like, you're living because that shade of makeup's awesome, right? It could be a lot of things. It could be, you know, us having a cool pair of Air Jordans, right? It could be that promotion that we just got, whatever that is. And all that, I think for all of us, we can like laugh at the other person, what they think approval is, but I want you to think about it in this way. If there's something in your life that you did wrong, and because you did wrong, it could, it could have been something as simple as like, there was an expectation for you at work and you didn't, you didn't show up or you didn't do it well enough. Or it could be that, man, you, know, you were asked to speak somewhere and you fumbled over your words. And there's, there's just something that's happened that when you asked for forgiveness, it was given to you and yet you live with that shame. You'll never be good enough, Right? 
I think for a lot of us, this is it. We carry these things, even in our relationship with God. We know our past and we've come to God and we've said, God, you know me and I'm sorry, but we really don't think he's ever really gonna accept us. And it's because we are trying to still go, I'm, life is proving it and I still need to prove it to the people around me and I still need to prove it to God and we can't receive forgiveness and acceptance because we're just trying so hard to prove it. And I know this is the one that hits closest to home for me because I grew up in a great family but I still never felt like I deserved life. I never felt like I deserved Jesus. I never felt like I can earn it. Like I, I felt like I screw up a lot right? But so I tried to prove it. And for a lot of you who knew me growing up, that probably was weird because I was a pretty good little bespeckled weird haircut kid. But for me, trying to prove it meant trying to do everything right. And if I didn't do it right, there was shame. Not that anyone put on me, but that I felt myself, right? I kept trying to prove it. And that still comes up, right? I preach a sermon that doesn't land and someone's like, that sucked. And then and I carry that, right? Because I'm, I'm going, man, I gotta. But none of that is what God brings when he intrudes upon our life. Because when God intrudes upon our life and we meet Jesus and we see his righteousness, right? Not a righteousness of our own, can we go to, yeah, this here. So I consider all that. I consider trying to earn it, deserve it, prove it. I consider all of that garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Nothing I can earn, nothing I deserve, nothing I can prove. Not having a righteousness of my own in that way, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. So it is only by faith. And what does that mean? It means that you don't earn it. You don't deserve it. You can't prove it. All you can do is receive it. That's all you can do. Every day. Every day. Every moment you wake up. Every moment you're like, like, gosh, I'm just, and you just go back to proving it. All you can do is receive it. Isn't that amazing? When you come to Christ, when you're found in him, it doesn't turn over to approve it, earn it, deserve it existence. It always is by faith. And we see that when we come to Romans. This is such a a beautiful verse coming at the end of his introduction. And and Romans is a book that is dangerous. Like, I mean, think of this. Like, Augustine, Luther, Wesley, all these incredible reformations of faith, all of them happened, them reading Romans. Isn't that incredible? And this is what Paul says, explaining this intrusion of God into his world. He says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. The gospel being that Jesus, God himself, came, lived, died, and raised from the dead, defeating my sin, defeating everyone's sin, burying it. And if we would just receive him by faith, have life. That's the gospel. Right? I'm not ashamed of that message, the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes first for the Jew than for the Gentile, for in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness. This means, this means a purity, a moral perfection, only God's righteousness. The righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is for us 
says, by faith from first to last. What does that mean? That means the way you get it is receiving it. The way you hold on to it is receiving it, right? From first to last, it is by faith. Faith simply being, God, I see what you've done and I receive it. That is all faith is. I see what you've done. You know what's not faith? I prove it, I deserve it, I earn it. That's not faith. It's those actions that try to to get righteousness for ourselves. When we see God in who he is, all we can do is be welcomed into receiving it, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. And this is the gospel that changed Paul's life. And, and I want to clarify something. When you hear gospel, I think it's really important that you do not hear philosophy or idea. It is not an idea. It is a story. It's a big deal. It's a difference. If you just hear idea, it's like, well, Socrates, right? When you hear gospel, you think of God himself coming to earth in the person of Jesus. It's a story. It's an intrusion. The gospel is God's grand intrusion into what we thought was life, and he still does that. Moments where people who you thought were impossible, you thought they would never see Jesus. All of a sudden, it's not because you said the right thing or were smart enough, but, but God revealed himself to them. He's inviting them to receive by faith his righteousness and come into a relationship with him. Now, maybe for some of you, this is brand new news. Maybe for some of you, God is confronting you for the very first time. And if he is, I want to invite you to receive by faith Jesus. You can't prove yourself. You don't deserve it. You can't earn it. But God wants to welcome you into his family. And all you could do is say yes. For some of us, we have committed to be followers of Jesus. But maybe we've stopped living by this faith. What this looks like for us is we've stopped living by faith and we live by sight. We live by our senses. And what I mean by that is we are overwhelmed by thoughts, by anxieties, We're afraid of what people think. We carry shame with us. We wrestle with our thoughts constantly because we're still trying to prove it. At one point we received it and now we've moved into proving it or earning it or somehow imagining we deserve it. That's not the case. For us, I invite you also just to receive it again. That's all you can do. And that is the gospel message that God again wants to grandly intrude upon your life and show you what life actually is. He wants to welcome you into that experience that I saw in Basque Country where people heard the music and heard that God was a good, good father and they just started crying. God wants to intrude on your life in that way again. God wants to confront you And when he confronts us, there's this stark contrast between his holiness and our habits. 
And what I mean by that is our habits are these things we just get into and we go through motions and yet when we see his holiness and we see that it's something that requires not just us to dance alone by ourselves in this thing we call life, but to be in a relationship with him, his holiness that only he has and he offers to us for us to receive. It's a beautiful thing. When he calls us and we see that his way is the right way and the path we have taken is just a little bit off track. (laughs) But just a little bit off track goes a long way down proving it, earning it, or deserving it, right? So I just want to invite you back into receiving again what God offers in Jesus. It's for you. Pray with me and let's worship. Father, I just think about how you're so generous, your heart's so big that um, all these beautiful people in a room all at once and, and by your spirit you can offer yourself to all of us at the same time. Speak to us individually. God, you're a good, good father that's inviting us home. And I know some of us, we might not even be able to put into words that desire for home or the desire to be found in you because maybe we've felt just outside or don't even know what we're looking for. Like while I was talking about, we feel loneliness. And, and maybe we feel that and we've committed to follow you and yet we, we find ourselves in a space where we're trying to prove ourselves again. I pray that, that you will grandly step in in these moments into our lives. And also just thinking right now of the people we probably have thought about through this sermon who seem impossible in our lives. God, that you will intrude on their lives and just show them yourself. Invite them to come and make their home with you. God, I praise your name. I thank you for um, those getting baptized today who have found their home in you, who've received you. They couldn't prove themselves or earn anything, but they've just received you by faith. We love you and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.